0: Welcome to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is dedicated to helping people love Jesus and the people they encounter every day. Today, you will listen to our most recent Sunday sermon. So sit back, relax, and let Jesus speak to you wherever you may be. And now, this week's sermon. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is actually seasons. We're doing a Holy Spirit theme, uh, and it's uh, been really fun. Uh, There's the different aspects of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, and interestingly enough, as humans, we experience things in life categorically. Even as a, you know, a psychology major, we, we do these things where we create and we want to have a pattern that we discern. Uh, and then we grab a hold of it, and we're like, okay, this is how it is. I understand that system. And we're categorical people. Uh, we're box people oftentimes. And so we're like, cool, this is what it is, and that's what's up. What I love about God, what I love about the Holy Spirit is that he approaches us continually in a way that asks us to receive a renewed mind, and when your mind has to become new, it means it, it has to forfeit uh, ideologies or patterned ways of thinking that are not helpful to being like God. Isn't that fun? Sweet. Okay, man, this is this is exciting. I am excited. I want to bring you to the word uh, because when you talk about seasons, it's important to understand what's happening in and out of a season. How many of you guys have said the very spiritual cliche, I just feel like I'm in a different season? Has anybody said this phrase? I've often avoided the phrase because it's a cliche in church. But as I've tried to grab a hold of other words to describe seasonally what God is doing in my life, it's very hard to use a synonym in place of a thing that's just true. And some cliches are unfortunately true. And it's a season thing. And seasons are real, they're biblical, and we experience them, even if we don't want to admit it because it's a spiritual cliche. So James 1.17 sets in motion or, or allows us to see in changing seasons the unchanging variable. And when it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from God above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So you and I experience a ton of change, a lot. Even sometimes, like our churches, our house of worship changes. Or the things that we have an association with God on change. Pastors retire, pastors fail, leadership shifts, people move, friends stay or go. There's a lot of things that change. And so our relationship with God can have some associations around God that seem to change and can sometimes lead us to believe God is changing. But the Bible's really, really clear about God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you and I are growing in our understanding of God or our perspective of God is changing, that's not God changing. That's our insight to God changing. Have you ever watched a movie one time and then the second time you watched it, you're like, oh, that's, I didn't see that before. Like when I watched Inception, it took about, oh, I don't know, 14 times You know, and then you're like, was he in a dream at the end? Because they didn't let you see that thing fall down. Was he in a dream or was he in reality? All right, so if you never watched Inception, don't even worry about it. This one doesn't matter at all. And then some movies, though, you watch it one time and you're like, I was bored five minutes in. I already knew what was happening. I've seen this movie before. This isn't interesting. So when you're experiencing seasons... It's actually very important to understand that God is consistent and he is unchanging, but you are changing or your perspective of God is changing. So it may not be that your words are changing. Like in one season, you might understand God is good. Totally. And so that's a real thing. That's an eternal truth that God is good. So from one season to the next, that fact isn't changing. But what may change is your understanding of how good God actually is. So you're like, man, last season, I knew God was good. But wow, this season, I see that God is better than I ever realized. It's like God is love. And you're like, oh, isn't that so cool? And in one season, you're like, God is so loving. He loves you so much and me so much. And then you do something really, really stupid, and you hurt a lot of people, and you hear God say to you, I love you. And you just experienced God's love in a deeper way in that season than you did in the last season. So the fact remains the same. God is love was true in last season, and it is true in this season. But your perspective changes of that eternal truth, of that eternal God in your life. So when you and I experience changes, it's not that God is changing, it's that you are changing. So understanding the season you're in and the season you're walking into is really important because you're going to then begin to perceive what God is doing in your life in that appointed time or season. So, I want to bring you biblically to probably the best season scripture you can read, which is in Ecclesiastes. How many of you have read Ecclesiastes in its fullness? It's enlightening, it's exciting, it's sort of depressing. It is. You know, when it's like, hey, there's nothing new under the sun, you're like, what? I was sure I was new and creative and original. <laughs> I was. I was positive I was original. Guys, I want. This is a real confession. I'm 33 years old. I was a pastor's kid, so you grow allergic to fraud. You grow allergic to fakes. Growing up in church, you know, as a pastor's kid, a lot of people want to be close to you to be close to your dad. Yeah, yada. So you kind of like you get a nose. You can smell insincerity from like a mile away. You're like, oh, cool. So you're fake, <laughs> and you get a nose for it. And then you got to get past your hate and judgment for fake people. That was like 18 to 20 years old right there in that window. I had to like learn to love disingenuous people. The reason I'm saying that, I actually forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nothing original. So I liked original because to me, original meant that you were authentic because you weren't copying somebody else for some kind of gain. But Ecclesiastes, it levels everything out. And all of a sudden you start to see, and I'm going to read it to you guys because it's fun. First, Ecclesiastes 3, 1. And we're going to read a few verses here. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So right away, you see that you may not like it or perceive it or even want to believe it, but you are in a season and it's a different season than you were in the last season. And it's a different season than the one God's bringing you in in the next season. The same way there's summer, fall, spring, Winter, I did that out of order. The same way those things take place is the same way we experience different seasons as a Christian. And different things are happening in our atmosphere. The same way seasons have different things, different weather, you get clothes differently, uh, you change the way your life is lived, your hobbies, your patterns, your spending. uh, All of these seasonal shifts, they ask something of the individual or of the community. It's the same way our church experienced a season there, and it's experiencing a different season now. And this means something. It means that, yeah, God is the same, but we are changing, and we are being asked something different than we were in the last season. There's a different thing being asked of us in this season, and it's important that we're aware of what those things are so we can engage in obedience and courage with what God's doing in our life. So for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. That's not fun. We love new life stuff, but a time to die stuff? It's miserable. Miserable to experience death and then to find out it's a season. And to find out that God actually, there's an appointed time to be born and there's an appointed time to die. But every man's days are numbered, it says in the Bible. So when you actually see that this is a beautiful structure and framework of how God actually interacts with us here on earth, then you're actually not thrown off or intimidated by the full process of that season. You're understanding that you can partner with God and how to fully be like him in any specific season. So what do you do when you're being born again? What do you do when you're being crucified and something's dying in your life? There's an appointed season for each of these things and you should partner with God on what he is doing in that season because it's possible for God to lead you into a season and you not become the man or the woman that he has in design for you to become in that season. It's called disobedience. It's called hard-heartedness. It's called stubbornness. It's called resisting the word of God. It's called pride which has a resistance factor with God that you didn't anticipate. So when God brings you from one season to the next and pride rises, this is actually an issue of growth in that season. Season, if you actually define it in its biblical outlined usage, it's a set time, appointed time. It's set. It's appointed. And there is a purpose that God has in partnership with you in that season. What is it? What is it that's taking place in that season? So there's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. I want to cover this because we don't often relate to plucking up well. Like we love sowing stuff. We even love harvesting. But to pluck up something that was originally planted is really precarious for us. It's really challenging on an individual level. Like... For example, it's really challenging for me to express a need and ask for community to hear from God to give in that place of need. Because what I did in last season was I intentionally confronted something God revealed to me, and that was we were asking for people to bless the church, but not often blessing people in that place of finances. So when I see that in last season, what do I do in each time of tithe and offering? You probably notice is I prayed a blessing over community. I prayed that God would bless you and make his face shine upon you, that he would add to your life and supply favor to you. I wasn't praying about the church being blessed. I was praying about the people in the church being blessed. And this was an intentional partnership with what God was showing me in last season. Now that truth did not decay or leave me, but he's now speaking to me another truth, another thing for me to embrace And grow in even though it's dynamically uncomfortable and different than what I learned in the last season. So sometimes he plants something and then in the next season he asks you to pluck it up. If you're scared of provision, if you have a poverty mentality and don't believe God will provide another new thing, you will not pluck up the old. You'll be like, but God, this is my plant and actually right now it's my only fruit producing plant. So, why would I pluck it up? It's irrational. It's illogical. It's leaving a job without another job. It's God telling you to start a business when you've got a perfectly secure and comfortable job that you could work for the rest of your life and provide for your family. And you're like, why would I pluck this thing up? What on earth? (laughs) I I got an amen coming from Gibran. Why would I pluck this thing up, God? This doesn't make any sense. You know, on a personal note, I've got five of these things that I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't want to pluck this thing up. It's producing fruit. It's producing fruit. But there is a time, there's a place, there's an appointed time to trust God, to pluck that thing up and to yield to him, to obey him. In verse 3, it's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. I want to address the breakdown, build up part. A lot of times, because we love positive movement and motion, we love the build-up part. But when it comes to breaking down things, we're not super interested in the breaking down process. See, because deconstructing is intimidating, and it's scary to us. And even the word deconstruction has been utilized by an atheistic, humanistic mindset in our popular culture and society but God deconstructs our religious ways of thinking all of the time. All of the time. Like, have you ever gotten into a place, into a habit, into a pattern of how you worship? And you realize that you're becoming religious about how you related to God in worship? Like I used to have it, right? Is I would do like the same things in worship on repeat, right? Which was like right here, you know what I mean? Or at one point I was like on my knees for every worship session. Even when it was like a, a praise and a worship song, Like they, the song, I'll become even more undignified than this. And everyone's like dancing around, you know. I'm on my knees, (laughs) just like in a solemn place of prayer, you know, and everyone's dancing around me. And I'm like, no, I'm on my knees. Let's do this. But we can become religious even about what was originally God-breathed and spirit-led. And when the Spirit leads us into one thing and then we keep doing it according to our fleshly pattern after that, we've ceased being Spirit-led and now we're just religiously reproducing what God showed us in the last season. How do you go from Spirit-led in one season to religious in the next season? You just stop being led by the Spirit and you keep producing what God showed you yesterday. On pattern, on repeat. This is why some people get saved all the time. Every salvation message, it's like, yep, I'm getting saved today. It's because they get stuck in a season. They stop following the Spirit of God that's leading them into another thing. And they're just like, I understand salvation, God, and that's it. So I'm going to get saved every time I'm having an encounter. And this is also why people get baptized a lot. It's like every time they feel like a shift and a change happening in their life, they're like, obviously, I need to get water baptized now. And you're like, well, no, that's, that's actually not necessary. Just because you see like a renewal happening in your life or a shift happening in your life, it doesn't mean you need to rebaptize yourself in water. Maybe it's just that the Holy Spirit wants to rebaptize you in his spirit again. And you don't have to jump into some dirty water. Hey, we're baptizing on June, whatever, guys, you should come on out. No, like, but there's a season to be baptized in water, right? And there's a appointed time where it's valuable and good. And then there's another appointed time where that's not what is being appointed, where that is not what's happening. And what do us mature Christians do sometimes when we see somebody stuck in a season on repeat? Sometimes we're truthful and we tell them in love. Other times we just smile because we're like, oh, maybe they'll get it one day. I've noticed different patterns that people have with different immaturities in church. Sometimes there's the mature person that's just like, eh, maybe they'll, they'll figure it out. I don't need to tell them. And then there's others who are like, hey, let me connect with you real quick so you can understand that you can move beyond these elementary things. You know, you can move beyond these aspects and begin to grow in in more advanced ways. This is really important to understand as a community, as individuals, because one, if we understand the season we're in, we understand what God's doing in our life, what he's transforming us to become in that time. And if we can understand what season others are in, we can know what God's doing in their life and how we can partner, supply, or add life to that thing. So if somebody is stuck in a season, we can then help. We can help perhaps break some chains, break some ruts, break some patterns that are just religious cycles on repeat. Because if somebody's stuck in a religious cycle, it means that they're actually not being spirit-led. And if you're not being spirit-led, like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is a lifelessness that happens when you're not being led by God. And it's depressing. It's sad. The energy's low. Church gets stiff. The sermons get stiff. And look, there's not a new sermon I could teach you guys. It's Ecclesiastes, he says, there's nothing new under the sun. Trust me. I've tried to create a sermon and preach a sermon that no one else has ever preached. I thought The Pursuit of God was one of them and then I read a book that was like 100 years old by A.W. Tozer. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I hate this book. It's perfect. I, 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 what the heck? This was, this, I wasn't even alive. This is so frustrating. And so like, there's not a new sermon I could teach you At all. The only way sermons or community becomes relevant is you're actually walking out in a courageous way that new season that God has for you. Because it's tenuous, it's fragile, it's intimidating, it's frustrating, it's like really intimidating to walk into a new season where you're like, I don't know anything. You know, when I uh, used to change teams in basketball, it was always really harder to be on a new team than on that old team that I knew. The old team, you knew you knew when the guy was going to do a back cut. You knew who was good at what. You know who was kind of mean. You know who was actually really, really good at roasting people, so don't get in a roast battle with them. You knew who was a little bit violent or aggressive if you elbow him in the face. You knew who would just love to get into it with you and practice, and just you grew together in conflict. You knew who could take a hard confrontation and who needed like an arm around him saying, you got it, buddy. But when you go into a new team, you don't know anything. You have no established place. You have no established rhythm. You have no established trust. You have no established knowledge that you can lean on, right? And when the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There is an insecurity that we must lean into as believers in order for us to go from one season to the next. If you love the born season, this new life season, you got to learn the death season as well. If you love the building season, you gotta learn the deconstructing or the tearing down season that God does of idols. Because God is the God of building, but He's also the God of tearing down idols, tearing down ideologies that we've lifted up as idols. I remember there was a season in a time where it was really important for me to allow an image of an individual that had been honestly deified in my life to be torn down as a deity and be repositioned as as a man of God, sure, but not as this like, (gasps) like there was only one dude this ever happened to me with, is Lou Angle, is like probably the most significant spiritual like person in my life from the 18 beyond phase there. And I remember one time we went to like a a pastor lunch with him, like it was him and some other people. And I was sitting by him because like, you know, I would say at that point, he's my hero, right? But I didn't even know what to say. Like, I didn't even know how to talk to him. I was like, hi. I was like weird. I was starstruck. And I was like baffled by how starstruck I was. Meanwhile, other people around him that hadn't been half as impacted by him or at all were just having casual conversation and they were building a relationship. And I was like, what is wrong with me here? And it was awesome, right? Because I, I walked into a season where somebody had major impact in my life. And then I put him up on this pedestal and then God took him off the pedestal over a season of time where he took him off the pedestal and he, he, he rebuilt and or he destroyed this ideology, this idol in my life. Not the person, but what I had done to the person. Does this make sense? Has anybody ever made an idol in their life of a person and you saw God had to remove that idol, tear it down, rebuild, trust in him again? Some of us do it in business. Some of us do it in finances. Some of us do it in our career vocations. Some of us do it in just our relational life. Somebody holds like a codependent place of they are our strength. They are our champion, and they make me run and tick. There is a season where God tears or breaks those things down so he could rebuild or reestablish us on the foundation, which is him. A time to weep and a time to laugh. I never liked this one. Crying was not fun to me at all. But I've learned to really appreciate that when I'm moved to authentically cry and that there's a season of crying, there's a season of grieving to walk into it. It was like a year and a half I walked into a grieving season of different things in my life, changing or shifting or dying. And I just, grieving was like the ultimate worst thing ever to my personality type. It was like, you don't stop to grieve in my personality type. You leave it behind. It's like the wilderness or Egypt, and you're like, I don't need you. (laughs) And you, like, run away. And you're like, let's go on to something bigger and better. We don't need that sadness. We don't need those tears. Victory! Let's pick up a sword and let's fight. Why are we crying? But there is a time to weep. There's a time to sit with God in a place of brokenheartedness. The Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. If you decline this season, you decline a closeness and intimacy with God that He longs to establish with you. <clears throat> There's a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. As I begin to read all of these things, and I can't break down each one of those paradigm shifts, but I can say this, look, seasons... They teach you behavior patterns. They teach you and invite you to things that you're not naturally good at. So you may actually be really good as a weeper. You might not be good as a joyful person. You might actually really like tears more than anything else. And you're like an empath. You just cry about everything. And and for you, the season that God may bring you in is actually going to be harder for you to walk out of a weeping season and into a joy season than it would be for me. But I'll tell you this, the seasons that God brings you into, they're no respecter of persons in that it's it's actually trying to give you the fullness of God, not just affirm you in your bias or in your personality preferences or in your giftedness. You see, it's important to understand that God is not just leading us in a path that we're already good at. He's not leading us in the seasons that we already have mastery of. He's leading us into a season that is really actually quite precarious and challenging for us as an individual and in community. And when he leads you into that season, you can't rest on the laurels of what you've known or you've been. You've actually got to receive from God. And you've got to become something different than you've ever been before. And you've got to realize who God is in your life and the way he's supplying strength to weaknesses. (sighs) But so often, we dictate and we define our environment not according to a yieldedness to God, but according to a match of what our already strengths and biases are. Here's the danger, is that if God brings you into a season where you're exposed and you're weak, and you leave that season as a result, and go into a different place, a different environment, a different weather that matches you, you actually may be running from God's designed purpose for your life. See, season is an appointed time. It's an appointed place. It's very important that we understand. Like sometimes we run from a trial because it's a trial and we're looking for a better thing. Where there's times where God has you in a moment, in a season, in a place so that you grow and become something. Look, like you may not solve winter. Right? Right? but you may become something better or grow in winter in a way that is very important and a very pointed place for you from God. So when you get to those places of winter, when you get to those places even of famine, understand that although God didn't cultivate that lack, he is definitely growing you in that place of winter or season shift. We love summer, man. It's like that we're swimming, you know, and we're, we're having fun, we're outdoors, we're having vacations, we're having breaks. Maybe even we go to church less because, you know, we're going on summer vacation from church and things of that nature, you know. So summer can be really exciting and fun. And, you know, Joseph, he had this moment where there was like, there was, as, as, the, as the right-hand man in Egypt, he has these seven years of blessing that led into, as we know, seven years of famine as well. So Joseph had to understand the season that he was in and the season that God was bringing him into so that he knew how to act in that season. But if you don't understand the season that God has you in and the season he's bringing you into, you won't position yourself appropriately to walk out each season in relationship with God accurately. Because there's a season where saving is very important. And there's a season where spending is important as well. Investing generously or giving generously is really, really important. And when to understand and know these seasons, it takes you being led by the Spirit of God. So how to understand going in and out of seasons, I want to read this scripture to you guys before we finish, maybe two. Romans 8, 14 through 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God. To be in the family with God, this leadership with God is really important. And to be led by his spirit is paramount for us to be able to walk out seasons accurately with God. I've noticed I'm in a season shift personally. I was in a season here, and now I'm in a different season. The new building, finishing that, Hawaii, doing these. All of a sudden, I realized like there was a very real shift that God invited me to. And I actually had a conversation with God. There was battling some things that happened in the last season. My personality type totally wanted to fight some things still. I was like, I got my sword out. I am ready to go. Let's hack away, baby. Let's hack away. For like two or three weeks, I was like, let's do it. I was motivated. And then I was like, okay, let God, let's have a conversation. Let's check in. Let's see if this is your heart. <laughs> and pretty quickly, I discerned that it actually wasn't fighting season of what happened, but it was actually leaving season. It was new life season if I was to liken it to a story or a Bible story, it would be that there was a time for Israel to contend with Pharaoh and there was a time for Israel to leave. To leave Egypt, to go to the promised land. And so when I see this, God really clearly showed it to me. He's like, look, it's not time for you to contend with what was. It's actually time for you to walk into what will be. I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so my spirit understands this. I'm being led by the spirit. I'm yielded to God on this. But something interesting I've noticed over the last week is that my old cabeza, my old brain, it actually has these ruts and these paradigm patterns it's got in place. Like, I won't even be thinking about yesterday or last season, but all of a sudden my brain will engage in the arguments, the defense, or the weapons of last season. Have you ever had this happen in your life? And you all of a sudden start seeing these arguments come to your brain, and you're arguing with yesterday's season in your brain? Okay, maybe you're not like me. I love debate class, right? So my weapons were debate. They were argument. They were, they were the methodology, the ideological battles in my head. And I'm writing these arguments out in my head. I'm going over them. My dissertation of what was wrong, what was right, what was missed, the spirit that was wrong, the bondage of slavery that's happening, what I'm as a reformer called to break, all of these things. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing, like, an hour went by, and I'm tired in my brain because I just argued over last season for an hour not with anybody else, (laughs) just in my own brain. And I'm like, wow, this guy, the brain and this biblical, it's behind what my spirit is experiencing with God. So my brain may be caught up in last season while my spirit understands it's in a new season. But when God says this is new, there is a process of realizing the new season by putting off the old man. Bible says, throw off that old man. Cast that thing off. Allow your mind to be renewed. So when your arguments come up over what you believed was right, or you believed your defense was, or you believed the way you were wronged over last season, in order for you to walk in the new season, it's going to be important that you yield that form of your brain to God. All right, God, you can have it. Is it real? Is it true? Perhaps it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. The forfeiture of yesterday's brain or last season's brain is not an admittance of defeat. It's actually an embrace of new life. And maybe it'll actually be important for you to embrace defeat as well. Maybe there's a pride in not letting go of last season that you need to realize. That you're still fighting yesterday's battle. You're still stuck in yesterday. You're still stuck in last season. You're still stuck in that defeat you had five years ago because you've yet to realize the humility that will be the doorway to next season. See, I don't know what your season is, but I definitely know that it is paramount for you to be led by the Spirit of God for you to go into one season and another season and another season and another season. In fact, even more so, it would be paramount of you to be led by the Spirit of God for you to even understand what your season you're in and what season God is bringing you into. It takes prayer. It takes meditation. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. You may be waiting for fruitfulness in a new season, or you may be even waiting for fruitfulness in your life. And allowing yourself to take delight, like choosing, requiring of yourself to take delight in the Lord, rather than delight in a certain season. Take delight in the Lord and stand in that place and meditate in that place, You knew where you were. You knew what you were contending with. You knew what you were attempting at. You knew where you failed and you succeeded. You knew where you weren't seen or where you were realized and appreciated. But when God is doing a new thing and he's bringing you into a new season, the doorway for you to walk into that space is to be led by the Spirit of God. And one of the most beautiful, profound ways for you to be led by the Spirit of God is to take delight in what God's doing. There's a joy that's powerful in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's really, really good. When God shows me something, I get excited. i like, oh, delight is such a good word. I'm like, I'm delighted. This is wonderful. I love what God's doing. I'm not so interested in what I'm doing or what others are doing. I love what God's doing. It's so exciting. And I love what, seeing what God's doing in somebody else's life. That's like where I've been in with people's life. I've been asking them their testimonies. Like, I'm falling in love with hearing testimonies from people, again. Like, I love it. You know, there was a season where testimonies kind of became the thing you performed on stage on a microphone. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it had to end with some kind of positive, cathartic thing. You know, like I did drugs, now I'm not. I've been free this amount of time. What I'm talking about. But I've really been loving just hearing, I've been asking people specific questions. Like, hey, what did, what happened there? Like, what did God do there? And they tell me, I'm like, oh, that's, that's so cool. I love that. Hey, when your parents got divorced, like, what did God do in your life? What did you do? What did you see? Hey, when your heart was broken, what did you do? What did you see? Hey, when you went from this place of financial reality to this place, what happened? Like, what did God do in your life? What did he do in your brain? And you begin to taste and see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you're like delighted in it. And you're excited about it. And you're meditating on all the things God is doing. You're like, this is so cool. Starts to rewire your brain. And you start to walk into a new season over excitement over what God's doing. You guys excited? I don't know what your season is. I can't really define it. Maybe I could sit with you. We could talk about it. I could help you explore, discover it. But the Holy Spirit definitely knows. He's really, really loving. He's there to partner with you. He's there to help you discern and see. Allow God to lead you in those places. Allow God to show you and reveal to you things you've never seen before. Not just the things you've seen before, of things you've never seen before, new things, exploring his grace, exploring his will, and exploring his nature. You guys ready to finish? Can you stand with me? Super grateful for your your time. Super grateful for you. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.